You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Chelsea Ainsworth. Chelsea is a dancer, choreographer, teacher, and one of the co-founders of Arts on Sight, which is a multidiscipline arts organization in New York City that supports artists through performance-based programs and community-building events. And if that sounds familiar, it's because they also hosted the two live episodes of The Compass, which I've done in the past. She and I went to Juilliard together at the same time and were both very involved in outreach work while we were there. And we had a beautiful time catching up today. She's wonderful. I hope you enjoy the 121st episode of The Compass. And I guess, what does the dark side look like for you most often? Yeah, that's a great question. I think my dark side is not so dark and gloomy. It's a bit more filled with a million things. Um, Recently, I've been, we were just talking a little bit about this, but I've been trying to practice not filling my time with distractions um, so allowing myself time to be alone is one way that I keep myself out of the dark place. Um, trying to be with myself before I pick up my phone or my emails or my million other things because my dark place is that I fill my time to the brim minute to minute to minute and then I'm so burnt out that there's nothing left. Yeah. Yeah, burnout. I think maybe burnout is my dark place <laughs> recently. Do you feel like you've always tended towards that? Has it always been hard for you to take time? For Absolutely. Yourself? I love people. I'm um, <laughs> kind of grossly attracted to almost every person I meet <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I admire and I find humans very interesting. So I always fill my time with people or other things. I gravitate towards being with someone or doing a project. Uh, and New York is just filled with so many interesting people and interesting things. So yeah, I've always kind of filled my time to the brim. Yeah. How's it been going since you decided to make this concerted effort? To it's really hard. <laughs> find the little gaps in between everything. Yeah, a big one for me lately has been putting my phone away on the subway. Yeah, that's hard. I literally have to put it in my bag and then I'll have moments of anxiety where I panic. It's like I don't know what time it is or I don't know who's texting me or maybe I missed an email Um, Or maybe I just want to fill my time with Instagram. It's hard. I find it feels like I'm not connected to the world. It's definitely addictive. Yeah. And when I realize how ridiculous I'm being is when we're between stops or something and there's no connection. Mm -hmm. And I was like waiting for something to load or like looking at something online and it... Yeah. That I'm just sitting there between stops, like kind yeah. of staring at my phone when there's nothing there. And I'm like, this is, totally. why am I not reading a book right now? Why or, not, yeah, you know, or you have your headphones thinking. in and you're just, you have your headphones in for no reason. 
Like you're literally just waiting. You're just blocking the sound and waiting for something to come from your phone. It's very weird. <laughs> I find it very weird, um, that addiction. Yeah. So I've been, it's been going okay. It feels like as the progression of phones and emailing has been more accessible, I've slowly developed a habit of using my alone time as my work time. And now that we have two businesses and both of them are with my husband, I find there's no time to be alone even with him or our relationship. So yeah, it's it's putting a, a bit of a magnifying glass on how I use my time, which is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> but the first step is being conscious of it. So I think that's a good, totally. that's a good step. And yeah, I'm very conscious of it now. It's like... Um, what it, how do, why do I identify with having an online presence? And can I put that away and just look up for a little while? Do you find the online stuff to be helpful to you as a business person and as an artist? Is that part of where it started? Yeah. You know, in a, in a very, you know, brand identity is a thing. So when we first started our business, when we first started Arts On Site, I was on my phone answering every single email that came in for booking, personally, hundreds of emails a day. Um, And then on top of that, trying to just let people know that it was happening. And the easiest way to do that was post on my personal page on Facebook because friends want to know what other friends are doing. And slowly that developed into my own, my business became my identity and I think now I'm on the other side of trying to separate all of that, right. if that makes sense. Right, like it's established enough that you can kind of right. let it be its own thing. And that's not really me. You know, we have a, yeah. a marketing director who, she was trying for months to get me to make a separate Instagram so I would have my own and then Arts On Site would have its own. And that was really hard for me <laughs> to just let that be what it was and let me be me and not let them bleed over. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's helpful. I also think it's helpful to know when and where and how you're using those platforms so it doesn't become so integrated in your life that you can't get out of it. Because that's where I was, and now I'm trying to get out of that dark place. (laughs) You know. The social media dark place. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, it's huge all over the world, I guess. But... New York is so available to it, or cities are so available to it. Mm -hmm. Well, like we were talking about just before we started recording about running all over the place and having your day kind of filled with a million different things that are so different. I feel like Instagram has kind of been a way for people to collage all of that stuff together when you're like running around and everyone's overlapping in this huge mishmash of doing a million things a day. Totally. I wonder if it's some kind of like, like the documentation feels good. Yeah. And you know, recently, uh, some of a couple of artists that I admire and went to school with, but have been more being around them more recently. And I realized that they don't have Instagrams, you know, and that was a big realization (laughs) for me. Like, why do I need this tool? to visually show people my life. 
I really don't need it. However, I like it. So I'm not against it. I think it's a really cool tool. I just, it, you just have to figure out when and how and why you're using it. You're up to so many different things, so I'm not sure where to start, but can we talk a little bit about when you first started Arts Insight and what brought that about? Sure. Because what year did you graduate from Juilliard? Remind me. 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Frankie's year. Frankie's year. Mm -hmm. That's true. (laughs) Wow. Um, Arts on Site started actually in my apartment. (laughs) Uh, I was building after school programming in the Philippines for about eight years. And which started at Juilliard, and then when I graduated, was that a that wasn't a year-round thing? No, that was just that a was summer, like a summer outreach program. So I was taking artists to the Philippines and working with the teachers there and developing programs that they could continue year-round. Um, but the first event I did was to raise money for the Philippines. In my apartment, I went to North Carolina School of the Arts also, Mm -hmm. so have like a plethora of really rad artists that live in New York. (laughs) And my idea was like, why don't we just get all these people together and we'll perform for one another and just throw in whatever we can. I didn't think we ended up making any money. (laughs) However, the feeling of being in the room post-college surrounded with artists um, that are of, you know, like-minded artists that are of a certain you know, quality that are really doing it for their life. Um, But being able to show work in a way that wasn't a product or fully packaged in a way, like it was just a really open, safe space, became uh, fun. And and I got a lot of people that wanted to continue to do that. So we ended up running programs in our our salon type things in Mm -hmm. our apartment for about uh, four years, I think. Four years. That's a long time. Yeah. And that was on and off. It was just dependent on like, when could I put a group of people together? And they were always BYOB and donation based mm-hmm. just to cover the cost of getting wine and stuff. And then the owner of St. Mark's um, came to our apartment. We had like 80 people shoved in our living room. Oh We'd clear God. out all the furniture. I had a ballet company in point shoes and like you know, actors and musicians, and it was wild. Like, we were tangled on top of each other, and he came up to me and said his daughter was singing, and he was like, you need more space. Come to St. Mark's. And at that point, we were calling it Art for a Cause. You know, the first cause was the Philippines, and then we just, we were kind of floating with, like, what is this thing we're doing? What is our cause? We just want to, you know, show work together. And we ended up coming to St. Mark's for about four months running programs there, Right, and it's the same building as Yoga to the People. That's right. People haven't been there. Yeah, so we have the the front three studios now. Um, But at the time, we did the first event in their apartment on the fifth floor. They they were like, come do a show at our place. Meanwhile, Kyle and I uh, had been looking for land to build a residency center. So our first dream, because of the people, the community that we had built, was to have a home, and bring people there and do salons there. So you already had that idea. We had that idea first, and then the owner of the building came to our performance events. So essentially, a year later, if you fast forward from doing events at St. Mark's, we got married in 2016, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, in May, and then the next month, we 
were offered these studios and took them over and renovated them in 2016, the end of 2016. And then the next month we purchased 20 acres of land. Oh my God. So this dream of having a place where artists could come and either make work or show work, um, you know, that was always the first seed of, you know, I want to, I want to make a place for people to come to that feels, you know, like an incubation space Mm -hmm. and also a communal space. Um, was suddenly fully realized of now we have spaces where we can see artists monthly and give artists space in the city but at the same time now we have space upstate so we can take artists there and bring them back so it happened in 2016 where like basically all of these things landed on our plate including being married and we just said yes (laughs) you know (laughs) as they teach you at Juilliard you know they're like just say yes and figure it out as you go along so we all of a sudden became business people and yeah are still (laughs) trying to figure out you know what exactly it is we're doing so when when you guys got that space in St. Mark's, it, it was already you and your husband and then Adrian. Right, our third partner. partner. Yeah. So when we uh, basically were offered the spaces, we asked, we knew that trying to run upstate and trying to run spaces in New York City was going to be impossible. So we asked Adrian, who had been in and out of helping us run the salons, um, who I also met at Juilliard, who's just a rock star. We asked him to come on board. What were some of the things, like, what were some of the resources and tools that you used that first year to figure out, like, what the fuck you were doing yeah. as far as <laughs> finances and nonprofits and um, organizing? And It was kind of the opposite of we were just reacting. Like, we were just trying to figure out how to make it work. We were looking at, okay, how much is our rent? How much do we need to bring in? I did a ton of market research as to... How much do dancers pay? How much do actors pay? How much do opera singers pay? You know, what's the, if our mission is to be affordable, what can we offer and what right. do people want? Like, what do they need? Um, so that was first and foremost. We just looked at, okay, we're artists. What do we want? And, you know, we have space. So let's make that happen. And, you know, my feeling was like, if our mission is strong enough, everything else will start to, you know, like iron fillings you put the poles down, everything else will fill in. Um, that's not really true. Like the mission was very strong, but we still had to figure out what we were doing. We went to, um, an accountant who helped us set up an accounting system. Um, always in exchange for space. We kind of understood that we could exchange the thing that we had for the things that we needed. So instead of just paying off and and putting ourselves in a very deep hole with money, we decided let's just give right. the space that we want we people don't make in. Money for a month or two because we're giving it away. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just looking for okay, what do we need and how do we find it and let's do that because we only have you know two weeks to figure out how to start filling these spaces. I think I had five hundred coffee meetings. With <laughs> all <laughs> different artists, yeah, I was just like lived in Think Coffee in the East Village for like months, and just met with every single person. I had all these ideas of I want to do classes, and I want to have flamenco, and I want to have visual artists coming in and painting the space. Um, slowly, those things 
because we were reacting to the need started to go away and actually what happened is really beautiful that the artist that needed space started to fill the space so we were less of trying to come in and say these are the things we want right, to like do program the space right and the things that weren't working we were easy enough on ourselves to say fine like those don't need to work so we came in with ideas and slowly a lot of those things went away but a lot of other things came about and really beautiful partnerships with other nonprofits and um, other great organizations which was a bit of you know sitting down and having meetings but also it started to slowly you know word of mouth started to spread and yeah we're still learning you know we we just got a booking system an online system which has been awesome and there was this moment where I was like, why did we not get this from the beginning? Like, why haven't we had this? You know, why was I answering emails for two months? Uh, but all of those things happen so we can get to the point where we can get on systems and get automated. And yeah. it was just, it's like having a child before you're ready and just literally like, how, what food, pee, poop, like just figure out what it's doing, you know? Do you feel like you're someone who enjoys being in control or do you find it easy to let go and let other people help or delegate like or even the automated system Mm -hmm. I can imagine at the beginning feeling safer knowing that I'm the one Mm -hmm. answering all the emails because I know it's happening you know yeah a bit I don't know if I control's a funny word because I am so chaotic with my life like I'm so (laughs) unorganized but in my mind it's very organized so I don't feel like I was ever wanting to compartmentalize or like know exactly what's happening. But what was really important to me was having the community that we had built continue to grow in the way that we were building it. So part of the want to answer emails or want to sit down with people was because I wanted a group of artists to continue to grow in the organic way that it was in my apartment. So like, how do we bring in the kind of community activist or people that are making work that feel on that same vein, like on that vibrancy? Um, And like wanting to know what was happening in the space in a way, like wanting to know that it wasn't being rented out to a birthday party which we did do a lot of, (laughs) which was terrible, (laughs) but you know, uh, because we had to, but wanting to know that artists that were actively seeking space to make work that they believed in, Um, because another thing we do is run monthly events and those are open to the public, but they're open right now to a community of like-minded artists. And that's part of what we pride ourselves in. Um, So yeah, it, it has been hard for me to give the um, business in a way over to, we have 80 volunteers right now. Oh my God. And we have five community directors that run the organization with us. That's amazing. So we're three directors, but we have like a crew of people. Yeah. And that has been difficult to just say, you know, these are the things that we want to happen in the space. And you know, put the priority for an artist over a conference for corporate events. You know, here's our mission, and I'm trying to make sure that everybody is on the same page. Right, even though it's getting larger. Right. 
and that's you know constantly a question for us as we bring more and more people in it's how do we make sure that you know we're not throwing our cards down at coffee shops and letting anyone pick them up although we don't want to be exclusive we do want to keep the space safe so yeah that transition has been harder it's like how do we get everyone who comes in to help us run the business on the same page and how has it been for you as a dancer since taking on this new role as a I don't know what as a administrator oh, yeah, I don't know what to call it I was gonna come up yeah. with some more mystical name of, of a, a community haver yeah <laughs> um how has it been for you to juggle your own work either with companies or like projects that you want to do yeah or have you found it difficult to like keep the energy for that part of your artistry as well it's been emotional I would say I mean I'm emotional human being (laughs) but you know I dance for two companies on and off Zvi Gothainer and David Parker one's a tap rhythm body percussion company and the other's a modern company Mm -hmm. so actually and I had been with him for seven years before we started arts on site so actually that part of my dance life was great because I had these people that I'd been with forever and they knew that I was going through this and so they gave me a bit of slack which was really nice right and I imagine when you were working with them there's already a shared language there it's comfortable right and the therapy of just being in rehearsal is so nice and being creative and playful now I'm interested in how to continue to make the spaces you know on a personal level creative artistically um, because we're curating shows monthly and then we also curate um, another production where we bring food and drink in and pair it with performing art forms and that's creative but personally you know how can I use the space to improvise more or how can I make work Um, and so having space lingering (laughs) you know behind me all the time has been emotional because I want to I want to use it I want to fill it I want to do things in it. Um, and I recently started collaborating with a duet partner who's incredible, which has given me the, the idea of starting a, an arts company. I haven't really talked to many people about this. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is the best place, but I would love to get to a point where we could have a resident performing arts company at Arts mm. On Site that is using the space and then using the residency center and coming back and presenting work to the community. The idea being that we could see artists every month and then say like, oh, this is a great spoken word artist, or this is a great actor or musician or composer, and then choose them to make work with, eventually. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Um, it's been emotional because I feel the responsibility of being creative, not just administratively, but artistically, because that's what I am, an artist. And I don't always have a chance to do that, which is hard. You need to prioritize it for yourself. Yeah. I'm realizing that that scheduling thing, man, like finding time to just organize, you know, time for dancing and time for my husband and time for arts on site mm-hmm. and really dedicate that oh it's so hard can we talk a little bit about how you and Kyle 
find <laughs> working together as mm. artists and business partners. Oh man, you don't have to if you don't. Want Let's to. talk about it. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I usually ask how you kind of work out being in a relationship with another artist. There's like that you guys have like an added level that yeah. you run a business together as well. Yeah, I mean, Kyle and I have always artistically overlapped. Like when we first met, it was at Homestead, Florida, um, for an A Step camp. Right. And, and he's, a, he's mainly a visual artist. Mainly a visual artist. And he would sit in the dance studio and paint me. I mean, we always kind of artistically were in love with each other. Yeah. And the first thing I did when I moved back to New York after living in Germany was make a piece with him. He was on stage painting and I had a dancer. He would flip the painting around and she would see the color and, you know, it was really complicated. She would improvise based on what he was painting. So I've always worked with him in a way, um, but never like this. Never in a way that we it consumes our time, um, which these, I mean, we took over an excavation company and fully renovated it. We did all the electrical, we did all the plumbing. I mean, we built everything together with a crew of 80 volunteers coming up and helping out, but he and I were running the ship. Um, and there were times where it brought us close together you know, we could say, like, this is really hard. And he's like, yeah, it's really hard. And let's hold each other. And then there were times where I wanted something and he wanted something else. And uh, we fought. Yeah. And we had never fought. We dated for, God, we've been together for nine years. <laughs> <laughs> but we dated for seven before we got married. Yeah. And everything was like, roses and butterflies and happiness and art and you know like we never needed to fight it was it was such a perfect fit for so long and then we started building something that took a lot of attention and took a lot of care so yeah it's been on and off it's been hard and it's been wonderful we're at the other side of the mountain now where it's like okay we're not having to submit plans and we're not having to build like we're kind of settling a bit like the oil is that huge stressful part is yeah complete but it was definitely the hardest thing I think for us was that always the attention that we now put to arts on site we put towards each other right and like every morning I'd wake up and he would make me oatmeal and shape it into a heart. I mean, like crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. Like I would never do that, but he was very hopeless, romantic in a beautiful way. And now he doesn't do that. Right. And um, I think the realization for me is that, you know, the heart-shaped oatmeal has become our community. It has become yeah. the thing we've built. And so... It's taken a bit of time for me to shift. You know, he still loves me. He, we're just really busy. Yeah. Um, and there's a beauty in knowing that you built these other huge things together. Right. They're not as tangible. Yeah. We, in daily life. We're definitely getting to the point where we're like, we have to schedule date night and we have to schedule time to talk about business. Right. We have to schedule time to just, I don't know, walk through the mountains together. Let's take a vacation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But there were times where, you know, if I'm really honest about it, I would, like, cry a lot because I'm emotional. I mean, there was a guy who, um, we had a contractor that was really bad. Mm -hmm. And he 
we laid down the plumbing and the heat lines for the bathhouse we built. Um, it's a women and men's bathroom with two sides to it. And then he poured too much concrete. So we poured six inches instead of four, which meant that possibly our plumbing wouldn't work and possibly the heat lines wouldn't work. And that's like over a thousand dollars of, you know, stuff in the ground that we, we fought about whether we should rip it up. And this one person coming in the middle of all of it was just, you know, a storm. It was horrible for like a week. Um, we ended up tiling it and it was okay, but Kyle would wake up in the middle of the night just in terror. Like he just would have like, he couldn't sleep. His mind was so busy and we were just, you know, abstaining from paying any attention to each other because we were trying to figure out this issue, you know? So things like that, where it's like you would never think about getting married to someone and then for a week, all you thought about was a concrete slab, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that... Those, those moments were difficult um, and just moments of, you know, we took over an excavation company. So at times I was pulling road signs out of the ground or, you know. Yeah, what do you mean by that? You took over an excavation? It was an excavation company. Or and that, that's what the land was. That's what it was. So they were driving okay. these big machines in and rinsing them off. Or what we learned once we bought the land, which we didn't know right away, was that they would go to do work sites and then bring all of the stuff back and dump it. Oh my God. So I would find like piles of concrete cinder blocks or, you know, like oh I'm saying, God. we would find trash I buried. See, I see. Um, it was more than you bargained for. Those moments were hard. Like, how are we going to get through how this? Are, yeah. Like, can you come help me pull the road sign out of the ground? Cause I can't do it. You know, <laughs> it's like, what did we get ourselves into? Ugh. Um, and just realizing that we had this dream together and now we're building it together and um you have to deal with the the adversity too yeah communication was you know difficult for a little bit how do we get on the same page meanwhile also i'm back and forth to the city to run our spaces in the city and he's upstate full time so i only see him half the week so then there's half the week things are happening that i don't know about or i don't i'm not on the same page so um, we're getting better about that. But there's a lot of, you know, every time we come back together, there's a lot of remembering or a lot of trying to, you know, settle into yeah, yeah, yeah. the separate places we've been. Right. Hard. It's been hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a, yeah, a hell of a first two years of being married. Yeah. But it's incredible. I mean, do you guys feel like you realize, like, how incredible it is the stuff you've built in such a short amount of time I mean or is it still still hitting you I think it's still the first event we had upstate was a wedding I married one of my best friends and of course I choose to marry her on top of building out for her wedding like literally setting the toilets just hosting yeah (laughs) setting the toilets the day before her wedding it was she was freaking out um but that was our first event and I think Kyle and I both had I remember the moment we were standing on the lawn and looking at the room of 80 guests. We had this open air studio and they were all sitting there eating and we were just like, cool. This is the (laughs) beginning of it, you know, and through the phases of different build outs, I think we've started to slowly realize, wow, this thing is happening. Um, but I don't know if we will ever stop running too fast 
to right. really you, know you what's going on. You see the stuff that's not done yet. I'm such a mom in those <laughs> spaces. Yeah. Oh, I want to come up and see it. Yeah, it's fun. I want you to come up too. How far from the city is it? It's uh, it's an hour and a half from Port Authority. Okay. So it takes about two hours to drive, but if you take the bus, you go into New Paltz and then... And how can people try to take a retreat up there? Is it an application process or...? Um, right, I mentioned earlier we're still trying to figure out what it is. Um, we both just want it to be whatever people want it to be. So if anyone has a spark of an idea, we want them to write us and say, this is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And right now, for artists, because that's who we want to be serving, we're saying, uh, here's the cost of what you would want to do with accommodations and all of this renting the dance studio or the visual arts space and the yurts that we built and then we're just cutting it in half so we're already pretty affordable and then we want to just make it feasible for people um and we if someone wants to run a retreat or a residency we try not to curate that like we literally just say here's a space do what you want with a few you know here are the things that we probably don't want (laughs) but those are pretty few um, but we just give people space to do what they want, essentially. And that's through in email. Like, we just email me, text me, call me. Um, I prefer email now that I'm trying to get more organized with my, <laughs> you know, with your filled, time. Yeah, filled yeah. time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Um, how does your family take in your choice to be an artist for your career? Hmm. That's a good question. My parents, you know, now because I have two sets of parents for the first time, uh, my parents have always been really, I'm the only artist in the family, if you look at it as, you know, dance, theater, music, Um, but my mom's a martial artist, and Hmm. I think she's always been supportive of the physical kind of be a dancer and do the thing you want to do and let's make it happen and send you to the most expensive school in the world, (laughs) even though we can't afford it. Um, they've always been great about me wanting to dance because I've always been serious about it. You know, I was 12 and moved away from home, went to a boarding school for dance. So I think they saw that immediately and they were like, this is what is happening. You know, there's never been a question. Kyle's family is quite supportive, but I'm not sure if they quite understand it. Mm. You know, he's a visual artist and they support that because... His mom is a visual artist, and they've grown up making artwork together as a, you know, that's her job. Uh, But dance, you know, it's really sweet. Um, Kyle's dad came to see me perform, and um, afterwards he was just like, that was athletic, (laughs) you know? And there's just, I think they don't have enough exposure to it to really understand that dance is a career choice. 
Right. Um, and a lot of people in the world don't. Like when you say you're in a dance company, they're like, what? Or modern dance company, you know, not on Broadway. They're like, what does that mean? You know? Yeah, a lot of people just haven't seen that. Right. <laughs> Kyle had never seen that. I'm pretty sure that's why he would sit in the studio with me because he had no idea hmm. that dance existed outside of ballet or Broadway. So they're supportive, you know, and, and talk about being supportive. They came out and helped build. Both of our families came for like a month. Oh my God. Kyle's dad is a plumber. So he laid, he helped do all the plumbing, That's designed amazing. the plumbing for everything and heat. And my dad does electrical. So we That's were pretty handy. set. Yeah. <laughs> and to get me handy. through dance, he built out dance floors Wow. in my studios in North Carolina. So when we were like, we're going to build dance floors, my dad was like, awesome. I know how to do this, you know? Flashback. Yeah, totally. <laughs> They're really supportive. I think if we made more money on a business end, they'd understand it. Um, but when they come to our events and when they come upstate and they see artists that are staying with us, I think they they feel it. Yeah, they feel that community. Yeah. We call it the beating heart. Mm. Kyle has this design that's become our brand, our logo now. That's literally a heart with legs and arms, and we call it the beating heart. And his idea was that every time someone comes to perform at our spaces or comes upstate to make work, it feels like they rip their heart out and just put it like in the middle of the circle, and we all just get to watch what it is they do. I love that. Yeah, the beating heart. So I think they have a few experiences where they get to feel that, but when they do... You know, they're jazzed. Yeah, Yeah. they love it. Um, But it's not, they don't get to be around it all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, they're very supportive. We're lucky with that, I think. And now my mom is on our board (laughs) of our nonprofit, and (laughs) Kyle's dad is on our board. So we're starting to tie in our families. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. can I ask, just since I come from the theater world, I don't know as much about how like the business works for dancers. Um, like since you got out of school, have you found most of your work through just people you know and through connections or do you work with an agent or how does that work for you? Hmm. Graduating school, I had a contract in Germany, which I got because the choreographer it was in Kassel Germany with Johannes Wieland Mm -hmm. he came to Juilliard to set a piece met me there and I ended up just emailing him and saying I love your work and I came to Kassel and then he hired me Uh, so that was kind of the first uh, job I ever had I had that for a year and then I came back to the city and took a ballet class with Zvi because everyone told me I should go take this ballet class and he, I, after class, he ran after me and grabbed my arm and was like, who are you? And come to my rehearsal. What? And I was like, I'm dancing for, I was literally leaving the next day to go on tour with uh, one of my college professors. And so I was like, I'm leaving for a week, but I'll come back. And, and so I ended up, <laughs> the first rehearsal I came to, um, wasn't clear if I was an apprentice or if I was just coming to rehearsal to see the company. Um, 
he asked me to come to the all male audition. And so it was like, what, what is his company? It's V dance. His okay. name's V Gothenner. Um, so it was an all male audition. He wasn't really looking for him. And I think he just wanted to see me dance. And so I was like with all these men and I was in my <laughs> element, just like loving it. Um, and then the next week he hired me. That's incredible. For the company. And, you know, I sat down with him for coffee afterwards and I was like, you know, what's the deal? Like, are you going to hire me or like, what is, is this thing? Involved? Cause like I didn't ask to audition for you and you just like asked me to come and then you're not telling me if there's a you know right. spot. And he said something super esoteric, like everything that will be, will be if it's meant to be, <laughs> you know, if it feels natural and it fits, then it's right. And then a week later, he hired me. But I was just, for a week, I was like, did I audition? What was this, you Is know? A contract I need to sign? Right. So I've danced with him for eight years. Oh and then gosh. other projects I've been on and off with um, just friends that are yeah. choreographers that I admire. And instead of auditioning for people, I like to just go up to them and tell them that I like their work if I do and ask them if they ever need dancers, let me know. And so that's pretty much how I've gotten all my work. <laughs> Which feels like, yeah. And then the other company I danced with, I messaged David Parker, who was a professor at Juilliard when I was there. I told him that I love his work through Facebook chat. <laughs> you know, before Messenger was a separate app and you just right, sign on to Facebook right. and chat with people. And we chatted about the project I was going to be in online. And then I showed up for rehearsals. And that's how I've gotten all my work. <laughs> yeah, not really auditioning. Just kind of one person to the next um, feeling. Uh, you know, coming back to what Svi was saying, you know, if it's natural and it feels right and if it fits, then do that. That's actually turned out to be true. And that's true. And I, <laughs> at the moment, I was like, what is this guy talking about? Oh, my God. You know? No, but that just speaks to your love of people and that kind of just bravery to put yourself out there and yeah, tell them. <laughs> or at least yeah. ask. I don't think people hear that enough, Yeah, you know, that their work is great or that. Well, or I think people get self-conscious about not wanting to seem like they're asking too much from someone or, but just putting it out there that you're like, yeah, let me know yeah. if you need anyone. I'd love to work with you. That's great. I, like on the opposite end, if I was making work and a really, like a dancer that I like came up to me and said, I love your work, I'd be like, rad cool <laughs> I'm gonna work with this person you know you just made my job easier <laughs> right not to say that's you should you know kiss ass but I feel like if you really believe it you should tell him so yeah that's my motto <laughs> tell people more what you think are there any lessons that you've learned in the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you want to tell me about hmm they can be small things. It doesn't have to be something huge. Mm. I'm, yeah, there is a lesson. I think I'm still learning. I'm kind of constant. It's like every month you forget about your period and then it comes and you're like, <laughs> holy shit, what's wrong with me? Um, why do I keep forgetting that this thing is happening? I have this lesson that's almost reoccurring where I try, I'm five steps ahead of where I want to be and I try to, too quickly move into something that I think I want or need and then it doesn't end up happening and I get to the point of like oh I'm happy that didn't happen and so recently I'm learning to move slower 
um, because actually the direction that you move into is going to continue to facilitate the flow. So to be more like presently in flow with where you are, more realistic with what's next, what's the real next step as right. opposed to so jumping ahead. Right. Like I want to make work. Great. Apply for small festivals. You don't need an evening length piece at New York Live Arts or the Joyce right away. <laughs> you know, like just do the small things that are going to help you learn how to get to the bigger thing. Um, so that's been a big, that's been kind of a cyclical thing for me. I'm a dreamer. So I dream of these big things. And then Kyle, who's a slow turtle is like, come down here, you know, and <laughs> keep doing it, but do it here as opposed to floating in dreamland. Um, and I'm thankful that he's so turtly and slow because I am like a hurricane all the time. It sounds like you balance each other out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just want to hit him in the head because he's so slow, but other times, <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see how long we've been recording so don't keep you too long. I guess that's a lesson. Yeah, it's a great I mean, I feel like those those are the most important ones, the ones that you have to keep, mm. keep realizing or keep reminding yourself of. Mm. Yeah, it's like the need not to be bigger than you are. Like you are okay. You are worth something. You know, like you don't need to have a name. Like the name, if the quality of what you're doing, the name will facilitate itself. Whatever. I mean, I think because we're on this branding Instagram kind of place right, right now, especially in a city that is always looking to see what's happening and what's next. You always aspire to be like, you know, I could make this event and then it'll have this many people and it'll be a big thing, you know? Like a recognition thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's funny because it ties into what I was saying about telling people that you recognize them, like you recognize their work is good because people just don't hear it. And we want to know that what we're doing is worth something. That's why we post online. That's why we look for followers or we look for the recognition. It is what it is, you know? Ugh, Svi, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we all just have, I feel like that's the constant thing we all have to work towards is just as long as you're satisfying yourself. That's the, the yeah. goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, you know, but then that like pushes up against the fact that we all spend a lot of money training in what we do and we want to be mm. making money with it too yeah. and like being rewarded in that way. Just using it. Like we just want to be using what we yeah. trained to do. Yeah. I have a lot of questions about being a dancer. It's kind of a constant, you know, what is it? Why is it? Who is it for? How do I use it? Do I identify with it? It's like a constant need in me to move and dance, but I'm still trying to figure out when it's not attached to other people's ideas, what it is. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a thing that you deal with in theater? Yeah, I think, I think that there's a lot of preconceptions about what, 
is good and what is bad and what is successful and what isn't and mm. how much are you actually interested in that mm. <laughs> and like not getting carried away in that when really you want to be doing the thing over there mm. yeah I had this funny moment where a friend of mine texted me that so-and-so was at Gibney studio this person is on Broadway and I went to school with her. And so I think because she's gotten a lot of fame, my friend thought, oh, I'd be really interested to know she's a Gibney. But, you know, it's like, I don't really care. I mean, great. <laughs> like she just happens to be there today. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so there's moments like that where I look outside of, you know, the business and the things that I'm doing and I see people that are artistically climbing. Right. And I'm like, oh, I want to artistically climb, you know? And then just trying to zone back in and say like you are doing the thing you're supposed to be doing like that is for her and this is for me yeah and that's you know that's hard and what's attractive about that yeah that's hard you know really hard (laughs) to not look at others and comparing and and continue to compare what is good and what is bad based on others because we're taught to do that yeah when really we're all so completely different Mm. we can't do the same things we shouldn't we shouldn't we yeah shouldn't. that's what I mean we shouldn't yeah. that's the that's the thing yeah yeah I feel like if dancers can learn you know because we're constantly appropriating aesthetics from others and to know that like that is great but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you have to do and that's an interesting if you ask about lessons that's an interesting lesson as well it's like, what do you really want to do? As opposed to like, what are all the things that you could do? What do you want? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We've just boiled it down <laughs> to the most basic human question. Right. What do you want? What do you want? It's hmm. a huge one. Yeah, I don't know. Are there any like concrete things that you reach for when you're really feeling down or uninspired or overwhelmed? Like a book that you reread or music you listen to or something like that? Hmm. Well, if I'm feeling that I want to turn my brain off from the millions of things that are happening in my head, (laughs) then I actually reach for Netflix, which is against all the things that I was saying that I'm trying not to do. (laughs) But I I love that Netflix has become this play I mean it's like tiny little plays in each episode you watch and I love that it allows me to fall deep into a character that has nothing to do with my life are there any shows in particular you've been really really into uh I watch really bad shows (laughs) (laughs) it is like a I mean it's like a library there's so much stuff on it and so much of it is good now yeah and it's also accessible and interesting and good you know like it's it's really wonderful um I just watched the Osho documentary which was amazing I don't know anything about that yeah you should watch it it's like a six-part series on a small village that a yoga guru built and basically came into a small town in Oregon and built like millions of people live there and it slowly crashed down on him but it's interesting to watch because, you know, I used to read Osho in high school 
and like write in my journal all of his quotes and then learning about what it actually was and where it came from and how people followed him. It was wild. Mm. The, the documentary doesn't take sides, which I also like. It shows the benefits of what he did and also the, you know, downfalls. Um, so yeah, that's a great documentary. But other than that, peanut butter and coffee. Those are your refuges. Oh yeah. Every morning <laughs> when I like wake up and I'm upstate mostly when I'm upstate, I don't know what to eat. Usually mornings are hard for me because I don't know what I want to eat always. So I always have coffee <laughs> and then I reach for the jar of peanut butter and have four or five spoonfuls of peanut butter or more depending on how I'm feeling. <laughs> and Kyle thinks it's gross. Like every time I'm doing it, he actually moves to the opposite side of the kitchen because he doesn't like the smell of peanut butter in the morning. It's like too pungent or too full bodied or it's just like, he's not ready. He has fruit or oatmeal in the mornings I'm just like scooping peanut butter you know but that always makes me feel better (laughs) I love it yeah a little morning ritual and then the last question is have you seen anything recently of any art form that you want to recommend Mm. friend stuff or can be anything I see a lot of art actually um because we have these monthly events yeah but what did I see? I saw Seth Numerick show Travesties twice because it was so good, which is not playing anymore. Is it the roundabout? Oh, I missed it. Damn it. Yeah, but it's, I mean, um, that theater specifically, I think, puts out great programming. And I got onto a program called Hip Ticks, uh-huh. which is $25 a ticket, Yeah. which is rad. <laughs> um, so yeah, roundabout theater stuff is really cool. Mm. what else did I see recently I want to go see a movie I want to go see Jurassic Park do you have a movie pass no I should get that it's good yeah I haven't been using it as much as I should but even if you use it once a month it pays for itself right because movies are and um, I'm going to throw in a little recommendation of my own is I saw the RBG documentary the Ruth Bader Ginsburg graph documentary it's so good is that on Netflix? no it's still in theaters oh like it's done at the Angelica and a couple other places but it's so amazing I cried several times she's Mm. incredible and it's also kind of a lot of it's about like this love story between her and her husband they just had this incredible marriage Cool. really good I think you'd like it yeah I would love to see that that's in theaters still in theaters yeah cool well if I want to go see a movie <laughs> do you, is there anything coming up at Arts on Site that people could go see yeah I mean we have monthly events so every third Saturday of the month we curate eight performing artists and that's also a we don't have an application but artists email us or I'm always seeking actors and dancers and musicians and they get a five to minute five five to seven minute time slot to show work and so yeah that's every the next one is july 21st okay and that's a donation-based event and it's byob so super fun (laughs) bring your friends (laughs) and um yeah the next event that we're producing fully is pairings which is that's not until october it's October 13th, um, but basically we work with a chef and a mixologist, and they pair dance, theater, and music, so three performing artists, with food and drink. So you get a three-course 
tasting while you're watching performances. That's so cool. And, you know, the food and drink is curated in a way that servers come out and they give you food and drink based on when the performers want you to drink and eat the food. Right. So that's a really fun event. That's our only ticketed event. So, yeah, look out for that one. (laughs) But, yeah, monthly we have events every third Saturday. Great. Yeah. Well, everybody, if you need a space, please check out Arts Insight. That's where the last two live episodes of The Compass happened. And yeah. it's such a beautiful, it really is like a beautiful, peaceful space. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy we could do this. Thank you. Me I'm like honored to have. Thank you for doing it. To be able to be on this yeah, podcast. Yay. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. If you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of the Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the Compass Podcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to bonus content and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hi y'all, this is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.